So I think we'll mention this maybe in the outro of this episode, but when I first started SIDcast, I had a set list of people that I knew and then people that I kind of knew through those people that I knew. And uh, Zach Shore introduced me to Aaron Saygraves a couple times because Cornerstone at Indiana Tech, uh, for those who are familiar with your NAI conference affiliations, uh, are in the same conference, the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference. And our guest today, like I said, is Aaron Saygraves. You could probably read that on the episode title, but he is the NAI SIDA president for the COSIDA organization. One thing that I did take away from some things that he said and some things that he'll reiterate through this whole episode is how dedicated he is to the student-athlete and how uh, he loves to tell their story and be able to just cover uh, the students and student-athletes that, that he has as well as have that sort of commitment to bettering those uh, student workers that he does have so that is our episode 32 today of SID Cast. I'm David Gibson. Hi, everybody. If you're new to this uh, podcast, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and then leave a rating and reviewing when you're done with this episode. And those of you who have been sticking around for a while, uh, if you haven't done so, just head to iTunes. It just takes a second to leave a, a five star or a you know one star, maybe four star, preferably four star. Um, yeah, if you had to rate between a 5 and a 4, that I, I think that should be your grading scale. <laughs> um, so, anyway, like I said, uh, and like I've been reiterating through all of these intros and outros and things like that, we are still on our pursuit to 500 followers on both Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can follow at SportsInfoCast on both of those. And also, tell me what you guys think about this idea. I, I, I think i rather like it. Um, Instagram takeovers. How does that sound with, uh, you know, some past guests and maybe some potential guests, you know, getting on the Sports Infocast Instagram account that's been dormant for a while um, and just showing their day-to-day doing duties, not doings, and uh, showing off facilities and maybe just where they work. And, you know, it, it gives an inside look as to how others uh, go about their day and the uh, the duties that they have to perform, uh, maybe even different than you. That's 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 one thing that I've thought about. Uh, next week, we will have Josh Newhart of Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana, coming onto the pod week after that. I believe it is Megan Harden from Southwestern. That's all the way down in Texas. Uh, that's your upcoming episodes. For those of you who keep uh, asking about some sort of schedule, um, those are the two coming up, but I kind of took care of that issue. I started making little graphics and stuff uh, that will be part of our banners on Twitter and Facebook uh, that show the schedule of um, the, all the people who are coming up next. But um, some other engagement things that we do have on Tuesdays, we do have question of the day, so hop on in uh, and join the conversation. The first time we had a lot of response, and then this last time we did have about the same. And then on usually on Fridays, I have you know maybe a list of five, three, I don't even know if I'll get to ten. I think this Friday will be three. Uh, just things that, um, just lists of, of things uh, that you may be able to draw inspiration from, and, that, and that's what's uh, the point of it. Uh, I know last Friday we had, let's see, uh, the top five podcasts that I listened to. It's not really a top five, even though Solid Verbal is definitely my number one. Um, and then I think this Friday, I'm not really sure what this Friday is. I do have them down on my notes, but um, I'm not really sure what will be happening. So those are your uh, those are your graphics and schedules and things coming up. So let's get started today 
with Aaron Saygraves here on SIDcast and his presidency. And I asked him a little bit of a, a different question and a fun question to start off this episode right here on SIDcast. So is it okay if we call you Mr. President? <laughs> I don't know about that. Mr. President, uh, that's, that's up for the, the big man in the White House. and We'll leave that we'll leave that title up for him. I don't want to be called Mr. President. I'm just Aaron. That's all I am. All right, cool. So did you know that you were going to get the presidency? I mean, how does how does that process work for those that don't know? You know, I did know. Um, the, so the board of directors in the NDI, uh, which has been awesome to be a part of, I, I recommend any young SID out there, especially in the NDI, to get involved uh, either in a large position or second vice president, first vice president, et cetera. But how our constitution and bylaws work is uh, once you're elected into the vice presidency, you spend three years as the vice president and then that person rotates into the presidency. So just over three years ago, I was voted in uh, by my colleagues to be the vice president under then president Cindy Potter, which was awesome. Um, and Cindy was fantastic. Uh, she's been a great mentor and a great friend for me in this profession. Um, and she's been involved at Columbia and done great things there. Uh, she's going to continue to do great things as our past president of our board now. Uh, and we just had our first conference call yesterday. So, um, you know, it, it's fantastic to see all the different people from all across the country. We've got people from the Northwest, the Southeast, uh, and all through the Midwest as well. And, uh, to be in that president role has really been an honor, uh, especially because of all the people that have come before me. Um, not, and just recently with Jay Stansel, um, rotating off, he spent 12 years on the board, if you can believe it, uh, which is incredible to think. But, uh, just so many cool people, so many great professionals uh, that have come before me in that presidential role. And now Chris Wells, he's my vice president, my first vice president. We've got a great board. I mean, you look at Danny today. And Donnie Smith, they're both rotating onto the board this year. Uh, and then we also have Brad Saigon and Mike Stafford as, as well. He's actually taking the place of Rob Heisinga, who just took a job outside of the NEI. And then Tyler Price is our second vice president. So we've got a great board. It's fun. Uh, we're really engaging. The national office contributes as well with Chad and Alan and the interns and, and people like that. So it's a lot of fun being a part of the NEI instead of board. So it, yeah, it's something I knew about. Uh, but when you actually get to the point, you're like, wow, I'm actually kind of in charge now. Uh, <laughs> even though I don't view it that way, I view it as more like, hey, we're all in this together. I might just be the person that has to make that final call. But I trust all these guys and, and gals uh, that are part of those phone calls and a part of those decision-making process to get the job done in, in a best way for our membership. So, like you said, you're in charge. But what, what are some duties that you have to do or you know, some added duties? And how do you kind of balance that with what you have to do at Cornerstone? It's definitely a fine line. Uh, it's a tough balance. Um, the last three years are probably the best example of balancing because I spent three years on the COSIDA board, um, which is the highest board in our membership. And then I was for three years as a vice president in the NEI instead of board. So kind of a double whammy there for the last three years. But it was a great experience because I learned how to balance. I would say the, the requirements or the, the job duties, if you want to call it that, of the president of the NEI isn't too much more than what the board does. We're all in charge of different committees. Um, we're kind of a liaison to the committees. We've got six different committees that we you know, kind of oversee from an NEI set up board perspective. But I think one of the best parts that I get to do is I get to sit down at some different executive boards in the NEI, um, the National Administrative Council, uh, which kind of makes all the decisions final for our membership. 
And I also have a seat in the Council of Presidents, which is an incredible honor to be with, you know, 15, 20 presidents from across the country. Uh, and I sit in some meetings at the NEI convention, at the fall COP meetings, with those two different governing bodies of the NEI. So it's cool to see how things get done. And the best part is they're, they're all working together for the student-athlete experience. And, and that's why we're in college athletics is to make our student-athletes have a great experience. Uh, and all these people, the presidents, the athletic directors, the conference commissioners, everybody's working together to make the, the NAI better and make the student-athlete experience better. So you just reached the presidency at this point in your career. So what about the very beginning? And I know that there's probably been you know, a lot of things that have happened between now and then, but just spare no detail on how you got, I know you went to Cornerstone. So how did you get into sports information when you arrived at CU? Yeah, quite a long time ago now. Uh, to look back on the, the journey that I've been on. But when I started as a student, uh, I wanted to go into, I wanted to go into broadcasting. Um, that was what brought me to Cornerstone. I played, I played golf at Cornerstone, so intercollegiate athletics was always something I always wanted to do. Uh, and I was recruited by you know, a lot of different schools to play golf, but I chose Cornerstone and right in my backyard. I'm from Grand Rapids, outside of Grand Rapids, where I graduated from, originally from Ohio. So I've still got those Ohio Buckeye roots to me. Um, <laughs> but being at Cornerstone was awesome. Um, our men's basketball program, uh, which if you're familiar with the NEI, is, is one of the top programs for the last 20 years. And I got involved with them right away uh, of covering some of their games and writing some articles when they went on the road. I covered them at the national tournament down in Branson, Missouri, and just kind of fell in love with covering the student-athlete and sharing the student-athlete stories. Um, so I, you know, just asked for more work every year that I was at Cornerstone. I did statistics, I did pictures, I did video, um, all those kind of things. And then really the person that got me really going in sports information was Matt Fancett. He used to be the SID at Madonna University when I was a student at Cornerstone. And then he helped give me my first position at Davenport uh, when that opened up. And so transitioning from a student to a full-time SID at Davenport in 2007, uh, a lot of the credit goes to Matt because he, he I think he then stepped into his role at Michigan uh, where he was the SID for their volleyball and baseball program. And uh, he, he kind of set me off on the right foot. He got me started. And, you know, all the things that I learned as a student uh, under Randy Strouser and Carla Flesch, the two coaches that were also the SIDs at Cornerstone at the time when I was there, um, they, made it, they made it fun because they allowed me to do what I wanted to do. Um, you know, they were coaches. Randy was one soccer coach at Cornerstone, still is one soccer coach at Cornerstone. And then Carla Flesch, uh, who's since retired from coaching, uh, they allowed me to kind of learn on my own and learn at my own pace as well. Uh, and I took over a lot of just the statistics and got those out of their hairs um, because that was hard for them to do while coaching. So that's how I learned it. Um, you know, I had two great mentors in, in those people. And then uh, starting at Davenport in 07, uh, I think I still think it's, the, you, it's that one big break that you always get in your career that people always talk about. And that was the break. I was a 24-year-old kid, not really knowing anything of what I was doing. Um, <laughs> but in Davenport was just starting their athletic department. Uh, they only had six sports when I started. Uh, and now, if you know Davenport, they have a lot more than that. They have 35-plus 30, sports now. And so we went from, what, 100 athletes when I started to 700 athletes when I left. Uh, and that was such an awesome experience to be with Davenport and the growth of Davenport. Uh, not, they win... A lot of the conference championships compete in the national tournament in just about every sport, and that was a lot of fun because we 
the administration at Davenport grew that as fast as the students were growing in athletics. So that was a ton of fun. Just real quick before we get into anything else, what's it like being a Buckeye fan in Michigan? <laughs> uh, it's good for the last 15 years, I'll say that for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, actually, the last 16 years, Ohio State's 14-2 in the last 16 years against Michigan. Um, the 90s were not good, I'll be honest. With you. <laughs> been a the early 2000s and now the 2010s have been really good for Ohio State fans, uh, in terms of football at least, uh, and really basketball for a long time. It's okay. Uh, people know that I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm proud to be an Ohio State fan. Um, I don't know how much it would be if it was the flip-flop, if Ohio State was still losing like they did it every year in the 90s. Uh-huh. Um, but it's fun. I really enjoy it. I've got a lot of friends. I, I have a lot of respect for Michigan and Michigan football. I'm excited to see um, I'm excited to see them back kind of where they should be. It's been 10 to 12 years since they've been really kind of a an elite college football program. So it's been fun to see the growth of them back to where they used to be. Uh, but I really enjoy it. I have a lot of good fans here. I'm not as diehard Ohio State fan anymore as I used to be. I used to watch every game. I used to go to a game. Uh-huh. I haven't been to a home Ohio State game in 10 years now. It's going to be 10th year that I haven't been to Ohio Stadium. So i got to get back to a game. So if you have any connections, just let me know. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are in the same boat as you. Uh, kind of a, a fish out of water with their fandom. So, um Anyway, getting back to some, some SID stuff, I, I'm just curious from an athlete perspective, like you said, you play golf at CU. You took a job at Davenport, which is what what is it, the Beltline rivalry? So was there any sort of stigma or were you kind of like, do I have to work at Davenport, you know, that that sort of thing? Or was it like a job's a job? What what was your mindset then? That's a great question. It's a really good question. Uh, one that I really don't think I realized how big of a move it was until I kind of until I came back actually, um, when I left Cornerstone, I was actually coaching women's basketball, and I was the kind of the assistant SID, if you want to call it that, um, kind of in a part-time role. Plus, I was an assistant golf pro. So I had three different jobs trying to make ends meet. My wife and I had just gotten married in '06, and so I was just looking for a full-time position. And ironically, how I got the job was they looking. Davenport was looking for a full-time SID, and my wife was coaching in volleyball. One of the girls that she was contemplating on cutting for her team was also the daughter of the athletic director at, at uh, Davenport. So that was one of the <laughs> most weird uh-huh. um, interview processes that I've ever been in. I have been in a lot of them, uh, but um, I was begging my wife to keep uh, the daughter of the athletic boss just so I could get the job. Um, it was tough because I was coaching. I think that's what made the hardest thing. I had recruited a lot of kids, um, coaching women's basketball course on a very successful program. And then Davenport was our biggest rival. So when I left, I wasn't necessarily leaving just to go to another job. I was leaving a lot of kids that I had recruited to come to Cornerstone. That was really, really hard. Uh, and then I had to go against those kids that I recruited. That was probably the hardest part. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really think of it too much of, uh, it was more of a job at that point. Like, hey, I, I wanted to, you know, buy a house and start a family and, and things like that. And I, I really just couldn't do it while doing three, four, five different hodgepodge jobs all mixed in together. I needed something more concrete and something a little better, you know, paying at the time to make it work to, to make some of those things happen. So, and you look back on it now, like, you know, shortly after that, you know, it only took us about a year, year and a half, we bought a house and then we had our first 
our first son. We have two sons. And so uh, it happened really quick once I got that job at Davenport. And now, uh, you know, I wouldn't change that decision for anything, not only because of the rivalry, but just about how the, the growth of me and my profession and really my life. Uh, I've grown a ton in my life and me as a leader, me as a husband, me as a father, that kind of stuff. It, it all kind of started right then uh, when I left to go to Davenport. So, like you said, Davenport grew, and, and I know that this uh, is this their first varsity season as football. I think it is. This will be the upcoming first one, and they're moved they moved to. Just, D- they just finished it. They, they just, just finished their first year. Okay, so you know they, they said they've grown. Like you said, there were seven sports or six sports when you first started, and like you said, you just came. You were just coming out of that role at CU. You know, out of college, just got your job. So wh- you had to learn all those new sports and all those new skills kind of on the fly. So what was it like? Just like I said, maybe you had never dealt with a certain sport before, or maybe you didn't really know anybody who did. I mean, there, what was going through your mind and going through your professional tenure as you were trying, as this athletic department was just absolutely exploding? Yeah. Another good question. (laughs) Um, I think we all learned on the fly, literally. Um, I I think, the one sport that they had had that I had no idea even how to play it, how to stat it, how to cover it was hockey. Um, Davenport actually started their athletic tournament. The first team they ever had was a hockey program. And I've always been kind of a, you know, a, a half in, half out hockey fan. The Red Wings have always been the team that I've followed. Um, but I never really a true hockey fan. And then at Davenport, I had to become a hockey fan because uh-huh. that was their premier program, that women's basketball. And so I was kind of forced to learn the game. And I think that taught me how to learn the other games or I'm sorry, learn the other sports. Um, you know, they started lacrosse. I had no clue what lacrosse was. <laughs> uh, I mean, I knew what it was, but I had no clue how to play it or how to, how the rules worked. And that's a really a game that I've grown fond to. I, I love lacrosse. Now. It's one of my favorite sports to watch live and in person and especially on TV. You know, the, the division one lacrosse championship. Oh yeah. Some of the best times around Memorial Day. That's like some of the best times that there is. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, other sports that they started uh, at Davenport when, when I was there, rugby. I had no clue what rugby was. I thought it was a bunch of guys that were beefy and wanted to hit each other. Um, <laughs> but to really understand the art of the game of rugby uh, was really cool. Uh, and they had major successes at that sport as well, winning a few national championships. And that's such an extreme sport that, that's a huge sport for a lot of Division One schools. I don't think people realize how big rugby really is. In other sports, too, you know, cheer and dance were, were sports that kind of Davenport started before they became big in the NAI. Now they're really growing in the NAI. And so you just, I, like I go back to that, that hockey. You learn how to do it. Uh, you learn what makes it go with all the other sports that you have at the same time as covering your, your normal sports, the volleyball, the football, the basketball, things like that. So... I, I really like the, the variety of sports. And now you look at all the schools in the eye that are starting all these different sports, the hockey, the rugby, the cheer and dance, um, lacrosse is a hugely growing sport in the NAI. Bowling uh, is one that's coming along as well. It's so cool to see the opportunities that the NAI is providing students that are coming out of high school to continue playing intercollegiate athletics. So you kind of briefly touched on there for a second about, you know, covering it all the same, but for some, and I know that the, uh, the WAC, the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference is like very pioneering. I said, are they, they're, they're going to be the, uh, they were the, one of the first to, uh, officially, uh, what is that called? What is that term? I don't know, but have lacrosse. 
yeah, and then uh, sponsor uh, ice hockey for the first time. So for those who are in, kind of in situations to where their athletic department is kind of exploding, what are some suggestions you would have to those people uh, when covering a new sport that maybe they had never covered before? Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Um, like That's like three in a row now. Uh, it made you think. I think the best thing you can do is familiarize yourself with the sport as much as possible. Because if you don't know lacrosse or if you don't know rugby, you don't know hockey, those are some sports that are that have got huge um, lines of tradition. And not necessarily in the NEI, but just in general in sports, like in professional sports and college sports. Um, and so I think this, you got, you've got to open your horizon a little bit and learn about the sport specifically. And when you understand the sport and when you really care about the sport, your work around the sport will probably be reflected in that. Uh, if you go into a sport and you're not a big fan of it, you don't like it, that probably shows in the, the work that you do for that sport. And I'll be honest, I'm not the first person that likes the sport of soccer at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've grown to learn about the game. I've grown to try to understand it, even though I still don't. Even though most of the people have told me how to understand it, I, I have no clue why soccer players do what they do still. But I'm trying, and I'm trying to make a, a conscious effort to learn that sport as much as I can because those student-athletes are no different than our men's basketball and our women's basketball and our softball and baseball teams. And so I think if you've got that mindset of, like, there's a story in every student-athlete that comes into you, you got to find out that story. And if you can find out that story and how to share it, that makes your job so much more enjoyable. Because I look back on it, we've won championships. I've got some rings from national championships. You know, I see the banners that we've hung in the gym at Davenport at Cornerstone. But it's that it's that alum that comes back because you made an impact on their life of how you shared their story. That's the impact that we have in college athletics. That's the opportunity we have in college athletics. And I've, I've said that from day one. Uh, I'm here to share the student athlete stories. I'm here to share the team stories. I'm here to promote the school as much as possible. And that's why I, I think when you think about it from a sport to a sport standpoint, you're going to get burned out. When you think about it from a longevity standpoint of how you can um, have an impact on the student-athletes and then how they leave your school, you're not going to burn out as much. Um, it's easy to get burned out in our profession, no doubt about it. And there's definitely, at the end of the season, I feel it. I'm mentally fatigued. I'm physically fatigued. Um, but it's, it's just the ability that we have um, to have an impact, a lasting impact on our students and on our campus that makes our job fun. And I, if you miss that, then you're probably in the wrong profession. Going kind of switching gears here, your websites and your publications have earned uh, several COSIDO awards. And the same kind of question I had as far as the presidency, are, are you gunning for those awards or did they just kind of fall in your lap like, oh, I didn't know you guys liked it uh, <laughs> type of thing. So what what is your mindset when, when creating these publications and designing the website, designing even your graphics? They look fantastic, by the way. I follow you on Instagram. So um, what, 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 is, what is your mindset? It's definitely not, hey, we're going to try to win these awards. Um, I did set a, going back to that, I set a one goal one year. When we redesigned uh, our website at Davenport, which was about four years ago, five years ago, I can't remember the exact year. Our primary goal when we were redesigning it was to have the top website in the NEI. And so I think it was a 2000, going into the 2012-13 year, if I remember right, 
we wanted to have the top website voted on in the NAI. And so we did a ton of research. We did a lot of you know studies of other websites of how to make it work and how to how to make it visually appealing and stuff like that. And we we ended up winning the contest that year, which was awesome. But that was the only time that I've said to our students, like, hey, we are going to go for this contest. I think at the end of the year, uh, when you have the opportunity to nominate some of your um, some of the work that's been done, it's always like a cool thing whether you win or not, because you look at the work that you that your students have done and all those awards and all the all the publication stuff that we've um, that we've been a part of, whether it's at Cornerstone or Davenport, it, it's all the students' work. I don't necessarily take the credit for any of it, and I, I shouldn't because I'm not the one who did it. it. It's our students, and that's that's been one of my biggest passions in what I do on a day-to-day basis is getting students involved. And if you work for me at Davenport, you work for me at Cornerstone, you hopefully see that. <laughs> it's been one of my <laughs> biggest things that I've said is. I'm going to give you maybe the resources and, and the time and the, and the opportunity. You need to run with it. I always tell our students, I'm going to get you from A, B, C to D. You need to figure out E, F, G, and your own. Uh, and a lot of those awards are the E, F, G. They're not the A, B, C. And so they've taken that uh, as a challenge and said, hey, we really want to push ourselves to do things at a high level. And then if I, if I recognize that it is done at a high level, we're going to put those in for nominations. You know, I looked at Ember Riddle was always the kind of the footprint of of how the NAI contests were won. They won the the overall contest almost every year, and they're no longer in the NAI; they're in Division Two now. But when I was kind of forming the department at Davenport, and now I'm forming the department here at Cornerstone, they're still the model that I form after. You know, John Phillips and Allison Smalling, and going back to the good old days of Jamie Joss and Ember Riddle. Um, you look at those guys of how they form their department and how their students and how their GAs and how their interns have such a major impact on what they're trying to do. Uh, and that's what I've tried to do at Davenport and at Cornerstone, uh, especially here at Cornerstone now because I'm, I'm forming that after learning a lot at Davenport. Now I'm, I'm taking a little bit of the knowledge and changing things around, tweaking things just a little bit to give students more opportunity. And so now we've got a broadcasting network. We've got a social media team. We have a marketing team uh, of doing all these different things. And they're all students. I mean, I, I have one GA, if you want to call him that, that's starting this fall. Um, and he's been incredible. Um, but everybody else that works for us is student workers. A lot of them are voluntary student workers, which is incredible to think that way. Uh, but they're the ones that get all the credit um, for all the publication work that they do. So we, we've learned over the past, and I would say we talk about this, hit on this, just about every other episode or so uh, of being consistent and displaying a message. And like you said, with those publications and with the website, you have to be consistent uh, with what your brand is at Cornerstone. So at what point did you guys realize that CU needed a style guide? What was that uh, discussion like? That's a great point. We We'll go back a little bit, a couple of years ago, Rick Hoskin, my first ever full-time SID at Davenport, uh, full-time assistant SID at Davenport, we went to the convention in, I think it was Orlando, it seems like it's been in Orlando almost every year, <laughs> so we'll stick with Orlando. Uh, we listened to a panel that Chris Yandel presented on from the University of Miami, and then George Tech, and now he's not in the business anymore, um, but he did a style guide for the University of Miami, and that's the first thing I said to Ricky, I said, we need something like that, because... We were growing so fast at Davenport. We had all these new sports and all these new coaches and all these new student workers. Everybody's got to be on the same page. And if we're not, we're going to be fighting our own branding issues. And that's not good. Um, 
So we designed that style guide, and that style guide has completely been revamped from the first one that we did. Because uh, things are changing. A lot of things are digital now. More things are social media now. Um, right. Where back in the day, it was more print. It was more web. It was, you know, that kind of content where everything is changing now to the immediacy of our phone uh, and, our, and our iPads and things like that. And so when I got to Cornerstone, um, that was the first thing that I did that fall when I got hired you know, almost four years ago now. I guess almost three years ago. I'm going into my fourth year, but three years ago. Uh-huh. I met with the marketing director, um, Bob Stack, who oversaw all marketing and advancement of course, and I said, we need to get our font on the same page. We need to get our logos on the same page. We need to get our, our message on the same page because we had all these different accounts on social media. Uh, we had all these different logos that were being used on our various uniforms and different fonts on our uniforms. Bring those all into one was our biggest goal from day one. And I think we've done that. And now we're tweaking that style guide. How can we better do this for our, our coaches so they, they know what to do when they're ordering things? How can we better do it when they're out there recruiting, giving them the same message? Uh, you look Just a, a simple thing as an email signature. I want all of our coaches to have the same email signature so we're representing the same image and we're representing the same brand. And then, you know, we always talk about how to, how to further our, our brand is, Wear it. Wear it on your sleeves. Wear it on your shirts. Wear it on your pants. Wear it on your shoes everywhere you go. Because um, if we can be a good representation, ultimately, for Christ, if, if that's who we're here for and serving is our Lord and Savior, then we take transition into the school that we represent. And if we're all doing that for the right reason, things are going to flow a lot smoother. And that style guide is just one thing to help us along the way. From a coverage or from maybe even a marketing standpoint, uh, I know that there are three WAC schools, I believe, within the Grand Rapids area, and then even more uh, other division schools. Well, not three WAC schools anymore. Davenport took the jump. But um, what is it like trying to you know, get recognition for your student-athletes or tell your story in Grand Rapids in an area of Michigan or an area of the country that does have a lot of institutions that you know traditional media needs to cover? Oh. <laughs> if you know the answer to that, let me know. Um, <laughs> That's been a big battle because we do have like three high schools. It's not not coming down for anymore until two with us and Aquinas. But if you look at just the three high schools, we're on the north side. Aquinas is more in the middle of the city, and then Downport is the south side of the city. Um, but that's not all that we're competing for. Uh, we've got two major Division three schools, NCAA Division three schools, in our backyard, and they're not just Division three. They're the they're the best of the best in Division three. It's Hope and Calvin. So two of the premier academic and athletic institutions, not only in Michigan, but in the entire country. Uh-huh. Uh, and, then you look at, and then you look at Division II. Uh, Grand Valley, if anybody's ever heard of Grand Valley, I <laughs> joke. Um, but if you're familiar with NCAA Division II, you know who Grand Valley is. They've won, I'm, the, I'm just going to throw a number out there, 10 or 11 of the last like 12 um, Learfield Sports Directors Cup. And then they're, that, they're, they're five, you know, 20 minutes outside of downtown Grand Rapids, and then you look at Ferris State, who's really coming on strong, another Division II school. They, they made the semifinals in football. They made, you know, a lot of different runs in different sports and basketball and tennis and golf and all these other sports as well. And and then they also have a Division One hockey program uh, that made the Frozen Four a few years ago. And so those are just the Division Two, Division Threes, and NEI schools that are within 45 minutes to an hour of downtown Grand Rapids. Uh, then you look at the biggest, we're the second biggest media market in the state of Michigan, second to Detroit. And so they're definitely going to cover the Michigan, Michigan State, 
Western Michigan football had a huge run last year. To the they went to the Cotton Bowl. Um, if you look at you know Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, they're all within two hours of Grand Rapids, so they're all competing uh, for the same media market that we are as Cornerstone, Aquinas, Davenport, you know, etc. Uh, so it's very challenging. People are not saying anything new to people that are listening to this. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think we have it as hard as what other schools have it at the small school level. Uh, you could be in Boston and having all those major Division One schools plus major pro sports. Uh, we don't really have any pro sports. We have semi-pro. We have the minor league stuff, um, which they're very good too. We have the minor league of the, of the Tigers, minor league of the Pistons, the minor league of the of the Detroit Red Wings. So we have very, you know, good minor league sports. But I think the biggest thing is is now focusing, and you've got to turn your focus from a game coverage standpoint to a future story standpoint. Uh, the media, they want the feel-good story. Uh, so when I'm pitching story ideas, it's rarely, hey, come cover our game against such-and-such such school. It's like, hey, come cover our game and also do a feature on this such-and-such such athlete because his mom is battling breast cancer and he's dedicated to season, he's wearing pink shoelaces, et cetera, et cetera. And trying to figure out, that goes back to what I was saying in, the, in one of the earlier answers of how can we share our student-athlete stories? Because they've, every student has got something like that. Maybe not that dramatic of, of having like a, a cancer situation in their family, but you know, uh, uh, maybe a, a person that has, a student-athlete that has autism that's now playing at the college level, or maybe a student-athlete that overcome a major injury in their high school career and now it's playing at the NEI level. Uh, we always talk about, you know, kids at NEI level, usually you're getting some, some the kids that thought they could go Division One or they had an injury or they didn't make it academically necessarily so they came and played at the NEI level. And how can we share their story? And that's what the media is looking for. Um, and really, we have to be our own media. We've been talking about that for, for 10 years now. And uh, if you're doing it the right way, it, it becomes a lot easier to work with the media uh, because you're providing them content and you're also making it fun for them. The, the local TV stations, the local papers, they're looking for that funny story. They're looking for that feel good. We just had a men's tennis coach hired and you would think, why are you pitching your men's tennis coach hired <laughs> to the local paper? Because it's tennis. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Probably nine times out of ten, nine times out of a hundred, nobody cares about that. If it's the men's basketball coach, they probably do. If it's the men's tennis coach, yeah, not so much. But we had a really unique story where um, our men's tennis coach that just got hired in the last month or two is his dad actually used to coach at Cornerstone. It was still called Grand Rapids Baptist in Cornerstone College. We were still the Comets. We weren't even the Golden Eagles at that point. <laughs> and Zach, our, our current tennis coach, his dad actually passed away in a car accident when Zach was only five years old. But Zach's dream has always been to coach at Cornerstone, like kind of following his dad's footsteps. Right. And now, you know, 20 years later, 25 years later, he's got the coaching job. So I did that as a story pitch, and it worked. You know, local paper, local TV stations hit on it. It's been great. Uh, we've gotten great feedback from, from a lot of the people that are, are viewing that story. And Zach's got his name out there in the local community and, hey, He's the new tenant coach at, at Cornerstone, and he's going to help us uh, get the program back on the right the right path and, and have some success. So it's just those kind of things you got to be unique and, and stand out in a different way, especially when competing against all those bigger schools around us. Going back to the style guide a, a little bit, um, I went to the uh, – Cosida one with the with the style guide the panel with actually had Rick Hoskins and then the uh, assistant AD for marketing at University of North Carolina. And they said, and the 
assistant AD, when they first you know looked at their logos and looked at their jerseys and everything, it took them a very long time to kind of develop that brand or that that style. And when I asked them, I went up to them after the panel and I said, you know, how long did this take you? And he said, well, when we first started, we were all over the place. So what were some first things that you identified when trying to, you know, create that brand that is the Golden Eagles? Uh, the good thing is the brand of the Golden Eagles was always, already pretty strong, um, especially in the NAI. I think uh, the previous athletic director and even the previous one before that had a really good, strong hold on what the brand meant in college athletics. Uh, the NAI is obviously a growing entity, and you know we corresponded with the NAI since the early '90s, um, and so late '80s, and then early '90s in the WAC when that first started, and so. Having that grunt, that strong footprint that that Cornerstone already had, I didn't have to do a whole lot. Uh, we didn't have to do a whole lot, but now it's like, how can we take that to the next level? And that's through social media, through digital media, really, uh, has been our biggest push. And I think a lot of the ideas that we get from a lot of the, the local minor league teams, especially the West Michigan Whitecaps, who I also work for during the summer, and we take that and like we're trying to make things fun again. Um, you, when you look at some of the the Division One schools, Division Two schools, and pro sports uh, teams, how are they interacting with their fans? How are they growing their brand through their community? Uh, and that's been probably the biggest thing that I've learned over the years coming from Davenport to Cornerstone is how can we share our stories within our own community? Because we can't really focus on the Grand Rapids community as much anymore because there's so many other schools, like we said in the previous answer. And so... How can we serve our own community? How can we grow the brand within our campus and within our alumni base, within our, our donor base? Uh, and that's been one of our biggest pushes this year, 2016-17, uh, going into 2017-18. And I think we're going to see a, another big push this year of some of the digital content that we're coming out with. Uh, the student workers that I've got around me have been just incredible. Um, Justin Campbell, our, our GA, he's taken a huge leadership role in doing that. And uh, it's been fun. It really has been fun to see the growth of it and uh, just taking what was already a solid brand and making it even stronger. I'm just curious, and I, I don't know why I remember this, but from an engagement standpoint, what was that uh, little April Fool's prank that you pulled on some of your uh, fan bases? <laughs> um, well, we pulled the football one. Yep, that's um, the one I'm talking about. <laughs> We did that without a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of not a lot of notice, uh, which I actually think made it really fun. Um, I had one of my students, I'm not great at graphic design, it's probably one of my weaknesses, and so I, I had one of my students like, hey, can you throw something together that says that Cornerstone is starting a football program? And this is literally a year after Davenport had just started their football program. And you know, some people thought that was a good thing, some people thought it was a bad thing, there was a lot of positive reaction, a lot of negative reaction in the, in the West Michigan community to Davenport starting football, especially going into the Division II level, which they're at now with Grand Valley and Ferris State. Like, can, the, can the community really support another Division II football program within an hour of Grand Rapids? And so I thought it'd be fun. The first year I was here, we did a, you know, Cornerstone starting a football program coming, you know, April or coming 2017 or whatever we said with it. But we put it up there, and the reaction that we got on social media that day was just incredible. We, we left it up there for probably a good, I would say, six to seven hours before we actually said something about it. Um, 
and I was getting text messages. I'm getting phone calls because <laughs> a lot of people thought a lot of people thought that I left Davenport because they were starting a football program. That that couldn't be further from the truth. I was begging for a football program in terms of like media coverage. I knew football would be very difficult. Uh, it wasn't something that was like, hey, let's definitely start one. But from a media standpoint, football it, it rules. I mean, it, it, it mm-hmm. gets whatever coverage whether you're a good team or a bad team. And so I look forward to having football at Davenport. I, I thought it was going to be definitely difficult to do. Um, but so when I when I got the cornerstone and we did the Ed Pools joke, people were like, "Wait, you're just you're starting a football program? Why didn't you just stay at Davenport at that was <laughs> I just kind of chuckled for a while because it was funny. A lot of friends and like family would you know say stuff, and I, I was I just laughed because it, it was really funny. Um, and then we put up a, almost a similar post, very similar post, you know. Like I said, six or seven hours after we put that up in the morning to say, hey, April Fool's. And, and some people kind of call it on a little bit. Because if you're not going to do a press conference, you're not going to do a press release, you're just going to put it on social media kind of say, okay, is that is that for real? Or is, is it just a joke? And it, it was a fun time. We mm-hmm. had a good time with our, with our students. A lot of fun. Now we're going to transition to the part of the interview where I, I like to ask some fun questions. But I'm curious, uh, how do you explain what you do to your kids? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Get them involved. Uh, I don't know if I explain it necessarily. We have an eight and a six-year-old uh, right now. Both of them are li- literally living in the athletic world because I'm an assistant AD at a, at a small school, and then my wife, um, who's heavily involved in the local um, school program at Jenison High School and Jenison uh, Public School, she does a lot of stuff, you know, volunteering and you know, works the side job at, at the high, at the, uh, sorry, elementary schools, and then she's also the varsity volleyball coach. So. When our kids go to their parents' workplace, it's sports. It's a gym. It's a it's a field. Um, so they they understand what I do. I think they're they're not really to the point where they understand why I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they fully understand that yet. But that's the message that I've got that I've got to share with them over the years. Uh, and hopefully, I've been showing that. Maybe not saying that necessarily. Uh, but that's that's a great question because I I haven't really thought about how do I tell them what I do. Uh, and I think it's more about why I do it uh, instead of what I do. I think they see what I do, but I think for them to understand what I do, they need to know why I do it. Um, and that's because of the student athletes and the student workers that I'm able to work with. Um, I think both of them will be pretty good with it. Um, they both, I can't say they both love sports. Our oldest is more like the music artsy kind of guy, uh-huh. uh, which is so foreign to me, to be honest. Um, <laughs> that's my wife. She's good at that stuff. Um, not me necessarily, um, but our youngest. I've coached a lot of his teams over the years with baseballs and soccer and stuff like that. I'm I'm looking forward to continuing to do that and having that impact away from school uh, and having them grow on their own, not necessarily at Cornerstone, but just I love the people that they're surrounded with at Cornerstone, and that's a big part of why I came back to Cornerstone. Uh, nothing against the people at Davenport, but knowing that my kids are going to come here and be surrounded by like-minded uh, individuals uh, from a faith standpoint and from a life standpoint was a really big um, reason why, why I came back and why Allison, you know, we both went to school here as well. So we're, we're thankful for the people that are surrounding our children. What's your uh, favorite memory from your professional tenure? I don't know if there's one day or one season or one coach or one student athlete that stands out. I think what what I've been really fond of over the years, my wife would definitely agree with me on this one, would be all the all the places that we've gotten to visit. 
all the traveling that we've been able to do. Traveling before we had kids was a lot easier. Um, Traveling since we've had kids has become a big-time challenge. Um, But, you know, I've been to 48 of the 50 states now, and I'd say probably 35 to 40% of those have been because of my sports travel uh, or my Costana traveling uh, with the different conventions that we've had over the years. Um, Going to Utah was one that really stands out with the rugby team in Salt Lake City. Uh, going to Arizona uh, with our hockey team at Davenport, another that doesn't sound right. Hockey in Arizona doesn't <laughs> sound right, but um, California with the volleyball team. I'm actually taking my youngest son to California in about a month from now with our current volleyball team. Um, but the ability to bring my wife and my kids with with me on some of those trips um, has been such a huge um, blessing uh, because we've. We went out to the Pacific Northwest with the women's basketball team at Davenport for almost a week uh, and got to see Portland and Seattle, the Nike headquarters, um, just so many cool places. Uh, going to the East Coast with our hockey team back at Davenport and seeing Boston at Tour Fenway Park. Um, just things like that. I think just the traveling has been probably the, the best memory or best thing, um, not uh, kind of away from the student athletes uh, and, my, and for my family to enjoy with me. It's been really cool. When you see other SIDs in the in the WAC, maybe even in the NAI, and heck, even the country, uh, and you look at them, you say, "What? That is a good SID." What are some things that they do? Some characteristics that they have that make you say that? Deep right there. <laughs> Didn't um, get any better, did it? <laughs> no, that's really good. That's a really really good question. I would say it's how dedicated they are to their current profession. I don't know who said this back. In it was at a convention, but make the big time where you're at. has been something I've heard. I don't know who said it. I don't know who I'm stealing it from, but make the big time where you're at. And I think the SIDs that truly embrace that, because um, the NEI, we, a lot of people use the NEI as like kind of a stepping stool to the Division One level, Division Two level, et cetera. When, when you don't go about it that way, your career path isn't that way, and you make the big time where you're at. You make Cornerstone like the University of Michigan. You make Indiana Tech like IU. That is when you're really doing something special, not only for your school, but more importantly for the student-athletes, because those student-athletes are putting just as much time in, just as much hard work and sweat and tears in as the kids at the University of Michigan, the kids at, at, at Indiana University, et cetera, et cetera, all across the country. And if we can share their stories and we can promote them as much as we can, that's when you know that you're that you're doing a good job. Um, and you, it's reflected in the work. It's reflected in um, the quality of work. Not only the quantity, I think we we try to do so much for all of our different sports, but really it's the, it's the quality of work that, that we put towards our student-athletes and our coaches you, you see that from a good SID. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say there's a lot of young SIDs out there. There's a lot of veteran SIDs out there, especially in the NEI. We've got some really, really good ones. And people that have that have stuck in the NEI, and, and I'm not going to say that people that have gone D2 and D3 are doing it wrong, or D1 are doing it wrong because they're you know trying to reach for the highest level. Go for it. If that's your passion, that's your dream. Uh, but I think there's such a unique story in the, in the student-athletes that come to the NEI um, and what I'm looking at, and I, I get trapped in this a lot, so I'll, I'll compare what our, what we're doing at Cornerstone to what 
another school in the WAC or another school in the NAI is doing, and that's not that's not what we should be doing. Right? You're supposed to be doing what's good for your product, what's good for your community, uh, and what's good within your budget too. Like, there's a lot of things you can't do because of budget, but be creative and and work around your budget constraints. I had a pretty good budget cornerstone or at Davenport. The, the budget is not the same at cornerstone. That's that's totally fine. I just found different ways to be creative to make those work, and I've learned so much from other people. Uh, and how they do it, and just picking their brains and and stealing ideas. I mean, we don't or borrowing, if you want to call it that. That's when you, you know when you're when a school is doing a really good job. It's probably when I'm stealing their idea. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm trying, like, hey, how did you do that? I'm going to do that on my campus. Uh, that's when I really recognize somebody that's doing a good job. What's one thing you're interested to learn more about in this profession? Um, I think it's the leadership role. How can we use our our part of the department, our our portion, our our department within the bigger athletic department? How can we use that as a leadership standpoint? Um, Chip Huber, our athletic director, has been a huge component in my life over the last year and a half to two years now. Of we can all be leaders, and we all need to be leaders because we've got such a we're in such a, a high position on our campus, whether you're at the Division One level down to the the JUCO level. We've got a unique opportunity to impact so many student-athletes uh, and so many people outside of that, that developing yourself as a leader uh, for not only your student workers, the student-athletes, people on your campus, we've got such a unique opportunity to impact so many different people. So continuing to learn how to be a better leader, a better communicator, I know that sounds weird because we're in communication, but I don't feel like <laughs> a lot of, I don't feel like a lot of people in our field are great communicators, which is, sounds really strange. Um, because my, my background, my major, my, my degree is in communication. And I feel like I kind of think of communication a lot of times. Uh, I think we get stuck behind our phones. I think we get stuck behind our computers when we need to branch out a little bit and have an in-person conversation and become a strong leader with word of mouth and talk compared to sending an email, compared to sending a tweet, compared to sending a... Uh, uh, you know, an article to a to a media instead of picking up the phone and talking to that person instead of driving your car down to their office and pitching a story to them instead of doing it via text message. So, continuing to learn how to be a better leader and better communicator, I think those are the two biggest things that I'm still trying to figure out how to be better at. Well, what's uh, one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Get involved. Uh, get involved. Ask questions. Um, and I know networking is really important, but don't just network just to network. Don't just go on Twitter chats and, and go to conventions and just get business cards. Um, build meaningful relationships. That's been one of my weaknesses over the years, for sure, is building meaningful relationships that my coaches that I'm working with actually know that I care about them as people instead of coaches. I think that's that's probably the biggest piece of advice that I'm still learning, that I'm still telling myself, and I'm still trying to do myself, uh, is build meaningful relationships. Um, and once you get involved with all these different angles, it's now how can you build a friendship? Uh, because the friendships that I've built through the Crosada board, through the NAI setup board, have helped me in more ways than me as a professional, but me as, as a person, as a father, and as a husband. I think that's the, the most important thing as you grow in your in your career is 
yourself, your 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 whole body, your 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 livelihood. That's the most important thing. You got to take care of yourself. And then if you happen to get married, taking care of your wife. And for me, my wife, if it's a female, her husband. Um, and then if you have a family, you know, like taking care of them first. And if you can take care of that, if you can if you can focus on your family as much as we focus on our careers, this world would be so much of a better place. And I think that's, you know, kind of the way we started this conversation of you called me Mr. President. I don't want to be viewed that way <laughs> because I want to be viewed as, as, Mr. Husband, Mr. Father, Mr. Coworker, you know, that's, that's what I want to be viewed as. Um, and hopefully my actions, my words, my work, they all reflect that. Cause if they don't, then I'm doing something wrong. Work life balance. What do you do to have fun? <laughs> oh, I love baseball. Um, love it to death. That's probably the biggest thing. Camping during the summer. I love camping, especially with the boys. We take a, father-son camping trip uh, and then my wife obviously is, is, is number one trying to she's the best person at keeping me um, balanced uh-huh. um, I'm actually going to be coaching with her this fall uh, I'm going to be her JV coach she's the varsity coach so I really don't know how it's going to work out to be honest <laughs> yet. Uh, we're going we're gonna to figure it out because tryouts are in 14 days from today exactly two weeks um, but just listening to her and not taking her advice as criticism necessarily um, because she knows me better than anybody else. And so um, I love doing lots of anything sports related is, is definitely keeps me away from the job in a way that doesn't let me focus on the job. Uh, I love going to high school events, our local high school where our kids go. When I'm in high school, you have the local school system where our kids go. Love going to support local athletes and friends, kids and things like that. So it's, it's now getting fun because a lot of our friends' kids are now starting to play and, and do different activities. So it's going to support them. And, and then my wife keeps me balanced with the family as well. Of her extended family, my extended family, I'm trying to make them a priority. Next time someone's in Grand Rapids, what's your restaurant recommendation? You can have more than one. I'm not limiting it to just food. one. I love my food. I'll tell you what. I There's a local... It, it's actually a pretty cheap meal, too. Uh, it's called Brand Steakhouse. It's a local-owned restaurant. I think there's about four of them now in Grand Rapids. It's a great little spot to get a little Sizzler steak. You can get, like, a, I think it's an eight-ounce Sizzler for, like, ten bucks. And it might not sound great, but it's really good steak for ten bucks. Um, that'd be one of them. Um, I, I like hot dogs as well. I Like, a, like I said, I like baseball. Um, there's a couple of hot dog restaurants. One is Yesterdog. <laughs> it's in East it's in East Grand Rapids. And it's in East Town, they call it. It's a great little spot for a hot dog. You can only pay with cash. So you got to make sure you bring cash. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's an ATM right down the, the, the block from it. So they know they're smart. Um, <laughs> but that is a great spot to get a really, really good hot dog. So that is my two... Like two spots to go um, if you're in Grand Rapids. Now, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, if they had any questions, maybe you know, want to follow up on some things you say, what would be the best way to do it? Um, I mean, social media is an easy way. Uh, email. Uh, it's just aaron.saygraves.cornerstone.edu. You can go to our website, uh, cugoldneagles.com, um, and look it up if you, if you don't know the exact spelling. Well, that's fine. Uh, my Twitter handle is Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, Stay Graves, S-A-G-R-A-V-E-S 26. 
Um, so if you want to look at me on Twitter, I'm on Facebook as well. I don't do Instagram. I don't do Snapchat. I never will do Snapchat. <laughs> so definitely do not reach out to me on Snapchat. Never going to be there. But yeah, social media or email, it's probably the best way. Phone's always open as well. And my, my cell phone is on most of my releases. My office phone's on the website. So would love to talk to anybody that, that has a passion for what they do. And I love learning from people too. I'll probably ask more questions than they will if they contact me. So, um, I love listening to people and their stories and, and how they get into what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. Aaron, uh, when I first started this, you were actually on my uh, list of people that I wanted to interview when I first started back in October of 2016. So we're coming up on a year. So it took, I'm sad that it took me this long to actually have you come on. I, I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. No, it's been great. I'm glad to help. And I, I've listened to the last few. I can't say I've listened to every single one of them, but it's been really cool to hear people's stories and especially the ending questions. I love the, the questions we end with and getting to know them at a different level. It's been fun. So I thank you for what you're doing. I think mean, it's a great thing to to allow us to share our stories. Uh, we always share the stories of our student athletes. And you're giving us the opportunity as SIDs and athletic communication professionals to share our stories and why we do what we do and how we do it. So thank you very much for what you do. And thank you, Aaron, and thank you to all of our listeners for downloading this episode of SIDcast. And uh, for those of you who have rated and reviewed, thank you very much. Average of five-star rating. Gosh, I I never thought I'd see that on iTunes. And if you haven't yet rated or reviewed, it's just a couple minutes, maybe not even that, to give maybe a one sentence that says, you know, either David is fantastic or two, David has an annoying voice. You know, you can put whatever you want. I really don't care at this point. Uh, we're getting to that point in the summer. I'm really anxious to go back to school because I'm sick of working and putting these stupid desks together. And like, yeah, let me, that's what I do every day. Just about the same crap over and over. But uh, again, thank you, everyone. We will have Josh Newhart of Grace College from Winona Lake, Indiana, uh, coming up next week on SIDcast. Um, we are still on our pursuit for 500 followers on both Twitter and Facebook uh, using at uh, SportsInfoCast and backslash SportsInfoCast. If you want to email me, you want to be a guest, or you, you want to nominate someone for being a guest, I, I haven't had that yet, but I, that would be an interesting email to have. Um, you can email me at SportsInfoCast at gmail.com. And also, everyone, be on the lookout because next week, or August 1st, I believe that's next week, right? Yeah, it's next week. Uh, Go Big Cast, our new show coming out uh, specifically, well, not really specifically. I keep backpedaling on myself here on this, but um, for athletic marketing, we will have uh, Russell Huftilling. I think I'm saying that right. Sorry, Russell, if you're listening to this, but um, the Assistant Athletic Director of Ideation at Oregon State University will be coming on as our very first episode, and I'm very, it's a really good one, guys, and and I highly encourage that you go uh, subscribe and maybe even follow that on Twitter and Facebook. So anyway, thank you all for listening and we hope to catch you all in the next episode.